It is an exciting morning for Automation Town. These are the biggest scissors I've ever seen. We're at a ribbon cutting ceremony. Mayor Goodway has asked Chad to say a few words for the grand opening of the Wilford F. Grumley Center for Audio Arts. Wilford is kind of Automation Town's only celebrity. He was a silent film star in the 1920s, which makes it all the more weird that they're naming a recording studio after him. The real exciting news, though, is they gave Chad and I a radio show, and we're going live for the first time tonight, so stay tuned for that. We'll be doing that later. Such a beautiful spot here, though, where they set this up right on the shores of Lake Omara. I think they can start it here. Good morning, everyone. Well, what an exciting morning for all of us here at Automation Town, celebrating the grand opening of the Wilford F. Grumley Center for Audio Arts. I want to thank those of you who have been with us every step of the way. In particular, I want to thank for their support the Automation Town Rotary Club, who so generously put together the fundraising event last year that made this all possible, and so bravely stepped up during the kitchen fire to the Mothers Against Undocumented Automating, and to O'Donnell's Print and Stationery. With that, I'll hand it off to Chad Davis, who has prepared a few remarks. <clears throat> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Mayor Goodway. Today, I'd like to chat with you about chatbots. Oh, here we go. Uh, I'll see you on the other side of this. Ever interacted with a chatbot? How can I help you today? Most of the time it's a frustrating experience, but every so often you get a bot that's actually like really helpful, right? That's very kind. And it makes you think, is the future of customer service chatbots or is it sitting on hour long holds? Your call is very important to us. Please stand on I don't really know, but today we're talking chatbots. Whether you should use them, where to use them, where to not use them, and how to build your own. Beep, beep, beep. Can you believe that? All on this week's Animation Town. Chat? 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 You've got mail. Hey, Jason. Chat, have you ever built a chatbot? Admittedly, no. How about you? Yes. I've bumbled through it. I've bumbled through a number and abandoned them. But they're kind of one of those things I've always been intrigued by, so I figured let's talk let's talk chatbots. Is this something that we should even like be exploring or do we just leave it to I don't know, the enterprise overlords to make their bots and we just we never touch them. I like this. Since I've never built one, I'll ask all the really dumb questions and you can be the really smart one like always and tell me exactly why we should have chatbots and why they're cool. Okay, so this would actually be a fun one to hear from listeners on any chatbot experiences you've had, good or bad. Very exciting to share, actually. Chad and I now have a live radio show called Automation Show. We're going live later tonight, 7 p.m. Eastern on 104.7 The Buzz, so please call in with any chatbot stories that you've got. Looking forward to that one, but I'm a little nervous. Okay, so when we talk about automations and our simple little things that we put together. I feel like you don't really hear about chatbots very much. Or you do and no one knows how to build them properly. 
feels like a buzzy word. It is. Remember, oh man, remember like five years ago, it was like chatbots were everything, right? Like it was everything we were, like all the conversations we would have were supposed to be replaced by some intelligent bot. Yeah, that always worked out well, didn't it? Yeah, I forgot. There was like that peak there and I feel like we've come down the other side of it. Definitely. I think fundamentally, chatbots are actually very similar to forms. It's like a back and forth. The most basic version of chatbots and maybe part of the issue here is i think chatbots can mean a bunch of different things it can mean like your your ibm watson super intelligent natural language processing call my dad order me a pepperoni pizza shelve all that stuff the very complex natural language processing where it's like trying to guess what you actually want the most simple and most accessible forms of this are really basically just web forms. It's like a conversational back and forth. It asks a question, you give an answer. A lot of these tools will even let you like only let the user give a structured answer from a dropdown or checking a box or selecting one of a few options, but it's in a chat interface. So I think the easiest way to get your head around this is as a version of a web form or an alternative to a traditional web form. Yeah, I'll tell you, I wanted to go build a chatbot. started looking into some, it's like, ah, this is going to take a few hours. I'm just going to build a form. So some of the things that we think about as chatbots that exist in our Slack right now are truly forms that when you fill out the form, you get back the information back in Slack, just like you would with a chatbot. So maybe at the end of this, there's some learnings to be had, and maybe you'll actually change those forms actually into, into real chatbots. And so if you think about that, why would you ever build a chatbot if it's something that a form can achieve for you? I think the allure is... A chatbot is really platform agnostic. And so the couple of tools that we're going to look at to build these things, what you do is you actually design the logic of the bot independently of the platform it's going to be published on. So that could be SMS, it could be WhatsApp, it could be Facebook Messenger. You can make a single bot, publish at a bunch of places from Slack to wherever you need it. But a web form, it lives in a browser. It can be responsive so that it works just fine on mobile and on the web. I guess when I think of a chatbot, though, I think of something that's a little more dynamic. Yeah, smart. Yeah, smart. And you can make forms smart, but honestly, when it comes to conditional logic and most form builders, it can be a real nightmare if it gets beyond a certain level of complexity. Or if you want to pull in data from certain places. Yeah. I've seen somewhere online with chatbots that they can actually make requests out to different services to grab information. So it feels like the best of both worlds if you can replace a form that can't go grab all this information while you're interacting with it yeah. to then actually present something to you very helpful. Yeah, and even if you think about how these different things are built, every form builder I've ever built, the form is built out in a linear process from beginning to end. And if you want to create branching logic, you're like checking a box to say, only show this if this other answer says you know yes or no. But all of the chatbot builders I've seen from the ground up are like these canvas design branching logic sort of things. It's actually not unlike the difference between Zapier and Make, which we talk about quite a bit, where Zapier was designed from the beginning to kind of be a linear automation builder, and Make was, or Integromat was designed from day one as like a canvas builder, which lends itself better to branching logic. Hmm. So kind of interestingly with chatbot builders, it almost is like more set up from the ground up to handle that branching logic. So let's look at two tools that do this that hold themselves out as no code chatbot builders and kind of look at their different takes on how to build these things. Enlighten me, Jason Stats. Let's look at VoiceFlow. So this is voiceflow.com. Real snazzy landing page where teams create voice assistants, Alexa skills. This one is actually like, more of a conversational designer, Google Actions. So it's like, 
you design the logic of the conversation and it will not only work in the form of chat bots, but even voice assistants. How cool is that, right? That's pretty cool. And the way it works is fundamentally, it's like a tool that was made for designers. It's not made for developers. And so you've got these nodes that you pull in and most of the time, the responses to each of these prompts is structured. You're selecting from one of several pop-up options. And it's because as soon as you leave it unstructured, it leaves a lot more room for error if it can take any type of entry. That being said, there's scenarios where that's fine. Kind of like on a web form, how you would just have like a single line text field where they can put whatever in. If what they put in doesn't matter, then yeah, it can just be a text field. But for designing the branching logic, usually you want structured responses. And so you get with voice flow, I think what you'd expect from like a modern kind of canvas based design system, where you chain together any number of these interactions that you want, based on the user's responses, it'll take you down different paths. And you design this logic once, and you can deploy it anywhere, form of chatbot, voice assistant, anything. So you said you've you've shelved a few of these chatbots in the past. So it looks like you've dabbled in it a bit. Have you ever dabbled in voiceflow.com? I've dabbled in designing one, never gone as far as deploying one. Hmm. What was the topic for? So a use case I've always been really interested in for chatbots is in my business, we use a whole ton of different systems because unfortunately we do a whole bunch of different things. So we've got data all over the place, can't live in a single place, but we're heavy Slack users. And I love the idea of Slack as kind of being the hub of how you can quickly query a bunch of those systems for information. So show me the five things I most care about for this one client, even though those things live in disparate systems. So can we build a chat bot that will show me the basic details if I type in that client ID or, or search for it in Slack. Give me the basic details of that client. Give me the three most recent files, the last three entries in the CRM. We've got all this information coming from different systems, but we can pull it all together in one chat interface. I've always loved the idea of a chat bot as kind of a unifying user experience. That's a great use case. I'm working on a project right now where we're literally building a tool to bring all this information in and then have one database where it can be submitted to people. And one of the ideas we were thinking was, okay, let's build a Chrome extension so that wherever anybody is on any of the apps, they can see this. But now I think you've you've made a good case for a chatbot looking into the same thing because everybody's on Slack all day long. Maybe it's better than a Chrome extension because they can search for, get whatever they want, maybe have both. But we can cater to different types of users in different types of ways, especially if we need to be smarter than maybe what the design of the Chrome extension looks like. So I'm really interested in this whole branching logic, making calls to different data sets, presenting things that are super useful to people. Yeah, chatbot, like it's not really an automation, it's, it's, what it's, it's actually a user interface, right? And so I'm always thinking about like, what are the user interface where everybody's already hanging out? Wherever possible in general, you try to leverage that user interface instead of adding yet another one, right? I will say, Couple headaches that I think are the biggest hurdles when you're building something like this. First is integrations. The work that goes into pulling exactly the information that you want from another system. Some of these make it easier than others. Voice flow, as far as I got into it, it was gonna be writing a lot of API calls. And that was where I ran out of steam. It was gonna be a lot of heavy lifting for myself to be able to actually get all the data that you needed on the fly to make that useful. So integrations can be a headache here. Speaking of headaches, have you experienced a chatbot so good that you remember it today? Like the experience was so rich and valuable that it's memorable? Yes. 
I have like almost romantic memories of chatbots. <laughs> have you ever done much with Amazon's chatbots? That's where I was going with this. Oh, really? Yeah, totally. They're incredible. That's what you do with hundreds of billions of dollars of money. Uh, good. It works. Well, I think anytime you need to process like a return or a refund, does it chuck you into a chatbot? Or maybe if you say you had a problem with this item or something, I think that was how I got to it. Anytime that I am in the US and I need to return something that isn't returnable, the chatbot is the workaround Okay. for me anyway. So I get to the chatbot once you figure out where it is, which is a whole other discussion. Once you get into it, it approves a lot of returns automatically and then tells you same interface as you would be if you were returning something in your order screen, if you have to send it back, how you want to send it back. Just incredibly valuable. And I remember telling my wife the story that you'll never guess what just happened. You know, this thing we've had and we've opened it and it's like past the return date. An Amazon chatbot just let me return it and we're in the clear. <laughs> it's just this incredible experience. And I don't think anytime I've worked with the chatbot, it's actually pushed me to somebody huh. to talk about something. It's made a decision. And I think that's where a lot of chatbots stall like the business logic or the action that you called for in the first place will tend to result in a human conversation or a really long, boring, crappy situation where yeah. you're chatting with somebody online who doesn't really get your problem and they have no authority to make any changes anyway and gives you a phone number at the end of call. So kudos to Amazon. And the fact that both of us had that exact same experience is a testament to how good it is. So the other tool we're going to look at here is called FlowXO, flowxo.com. Similar to voice flow, what you're doing is you're building the logic of this conversation. So these are really like conversation designers that are really platform agnostic. So FlowXO supports Facebook Messenger, WhatsApp, Slack, like web interfaces, like a web dialogue, Telegram, SMS, even HTTP. I think that means you basically make API calls and like bounce the conversation back and forth. So you could put it in a interface of your own design and just do it over API calls. FlowXO. Very similar to voice flow, though I think voice was first made for voice and then backed into chat. Flow's kind of chat first, but comes with the same idea. So you design the back and forth, what that sequence of conversation is. But when I tried this one, I ran into the same problem is the most basic version of these is basically a web form. It's all self-contained. It's not pulling any information from external sources. It's just like gathering information from the user, and that's how it does it, is via chatbot. To get much beyond that, myself, I'm not super comfortable writing API calls myself, and that's usually when I'll hire an expert to pull me in with a specific like, okay, I need you to make this API call here exactly to this thing in the API documentation. Pull them in. Honestly, it's like a 15-minute process for them usually, but that's where I get beyond like what I'm capable of doing myself. So I think where I've landed with this is the most basic version of this is it's like eh, like kind of a more interactive web form that maybe enables more branching logic, especially voice flow. The most basic version of that, even if you rule out integrations, it is a super, super dynamic web form, basically, because you can build in all sorts of branching logic. I have played with this one before. It was probably a year or two ago. I remember the test I was using was, how can I monitor certain Slack channels for certain words and then present something? And this one did it completely well. I think you can, there's, there's actually a function where you can pick up a couple different options for Slack, which is like at mentions only or direct mentions only or watch channels. So I tried that and then you can set up a few different flows once the trigger hits and then you can filter out those flows based on the words that are used. So, so many times people ask about, you know, 
is someone using this piece of software? Is someone, does someone have any experience with this consultant? And we have documentation in our knowledge base around those certain things. So maybe I could just point them right to that card in that other system. And it was no problem in this to create the bot, get the flow working, get the trigger working, and then like message back inside of Slack. But I think at the time, I had very little confidence in my ability to do anything other than that. And like you abandoning stuff like this, same thing happened to me. I was like, huh, I don't really know how to go grab that specific information and then validate it and make sure it's the right one to present to somebody. So I'm just going to let it be and go work <laughs> and ignore it for a bit. Do you remember to get that to work? Was it as simple as just authenticating it into Slack, like just connecting them? Or was there like a roundabout like deployment process? There is a process they go through where you actually create a Slack app. Yep. And then when you're creating the Slack app, there's a lot of different settings. Yeah. Like OAuth permissions and secret keys and um, uh, what else is there? There's just all kinds of authentication pieces of information. Uh, oh, uh, scopes. Yep. So being able to tell you like what can you do inside of Slack. And they've got a really good step-by-step -step process of like how you set it up in that Slack thing. So you have to be an admin of your Slack uh, user group or your, your workspace. I just set up a new workspace and tested it. <laughs> it was free to set up, right? And you're just playing around with it. And then if it is working later, you can just switch which workspace it works on. Uh, so that might be a good tip if you're just playing around. You don't want to get anybody else involved. But I'm inspired now by, I guess, you bringing this up because... Now I feel a little bit more comfortable calling things like accounting systems and document management systems. So I might turn that form that we currently have to grab all kinds of information from our other systems and then turn it into calls using search parameters in the API to different systems now that it's a little bit more comfy. Yeah, and like in the case of VoiceFlow, you've got this kind of sequence of just branching logic and one of the blocks is simply called an API block and you make an API call and then you've got that data that you can work with in the subsequent steps. But circling back to how you deploy these, how you put them into action, that is a hurdle. There's a lot of these things that are as simple as like connect to my whatever account and you just put your login in and you're poof, you're connected and you're good to go. It's not really the case with chatbots because usually you have to, like on the Slack side, create your own Slack app according to their instructions. In the case of VoiceFlow, they have you spin up like a Heroku server where this thing lives and then tell you how to connect it to your Slack and the instructions are super, super granular. Like they should give, give you screenshots of every single thing that you're supposed to do. And they make it as clear as they possibly can, but it's a bigger lift than simply logging in to connect the two things. That being said, you only have to do it once. It's hard for numpties like you and I probably, but if you actually had somebody with expertise that could help you, like it would not be a challenging thing. And once you have it connected, you can still like modify how it works and all of that stuff and then publish that updated version and build on it. So it's kind of like a one-time hurdle you got to figure out. If it's somebody just stumbling into this and spending 15 minutes on it, it is a higher barrier than some of the other no-code stuff that we talk about. Yeah, totally. I think it's just, it's a testament. Like you and I have lived in a lot of web app automations to make our work lives easier. And this is the other side. This is the customer service side that like we all want to spend more time on, but we're too busy fixing our own stuff uh, to focus on the customer service piece. So I'm newly motivated to go back and look at this and see if there's a way that we can allow the customers to interact a little bit better with us. So to round this out, scenarios where we're going to use a chat bot, maybe not a web form or something else. Mm -hmm. A form interface with a whole bunch of branching logic. I think a chat bot is good for that. I think it's got a little more flexibility than a web form. 
Anytime you want to pull more data in midstream, I think that's a chatbot play where a web form won't do that for you. Maybe another one is like where you want to meet people outside of like the standard web interface. Yeah. So you're thinking about SMS, maybe you're international and you use WhatsApp or Telegram into Facebook Messenger. Like FlowXO does all of that stuff where it's probably pretty guided in order for you to just meet people where they're at. Yep, platform flexibility for sure. Chatbots. Maybe uh, maybe we got to come back to this at some point because I think there's some pretty powerful stuff we could do with this. But maybe if we had a more tactile example, uh, we could make something cool here. If you had any experience with chatbots, give us a call on the show tonight at 7. Chad, I'll see you tonight at 7. I'll be there. What time are you planning to be there? I'll be there early, like quarter to, quarter to. Quarter till? Okay. All right. See you there. But, but I think I'm still nervous. This radio show stuff. Don't is... worry about it. It'll, it'll be great. Don't overthink it. You'll do great. There he is. There he is. Hi, guys. You guys are early. It's great. We're still setting up. Sorry for the mess, but we'll, we'll be ready. We'll be ready. How are you guys feeling? Chad, you look a little nervous. Holy goodness. That is a lot of perspiration. I know. I'm a stress sweater. Chad, meet Paul. He's the studio engineer who will be on the ones and twos wrangling collars and all that. Hey, Chad. Nice to meet you, Paul. Wow, that's a sweaty hand. So here's what we're thinking. A tight little intro. And we'll basically just go straight to the phones, taking questions from callers. Okay, we'll okay, just okay. Kind of go from there. So I had an idea. Okay. I think our show needs a catchphrase. A catchphrase? Yeah, like a signature phrase we kick off every episode with. What did you have in mind? Okay. What do you think of automation show? You have problems. We have automations. Okay, they're not going to be able to see the jazz hands. I don't know, Chad. It feels a little... Forced? What do you think, Paul? Yeah, I mean, it's up to you guys. We could do that, or we could not do that. Yo, Chad, maybe this time we just keep it simple, you know? Just start simple. We can we can build on it over time. We talked about me having more creative I know, freedom. I know we did. I just, I don't think this okay, is... Okay, guys, it's go time. We gotta go. We're on air in five, four... Hello, Hello and hey welcome. Chat. Jason. Welcome in everyone to Automation Show. I'm your host, Jason Stats, with my friend Chad Davis. Good evening, Chad. I'm Chad. We have problems and you have automation. Mm. Okay, so tonight we'll be taking your questions on all things automation. The phone lines are open. Have we got our first Oh yeah, we got a first caller. Tina. Tina, you are on with Automation Show. How can we help you this evening? Tina. Tina? Are you there, Tina? Okay, who else we got? Uh, Alexis. Alexis, you're on with Automation Show. How can we help you? Hi, my name's Alexis. Hi, Alexis. I work over at Pets and Stuff behind the Civic Center. We do a lot of pet grooming there, and we're thinking of moving it to appointment only. Okay. Um, well, we just aren't really sure where to start. We have an old point of sale system. It doesn't really support that kind of a thing. And I don't know if this could be something that we use a chatbot for. So we're really just looking for some kind of guidance on where to start this. Sure. Great question. Thanks, Alexis. Anytime you get a question like this, Jason, you almost want to know like who's on the other side. What type of effort do they want to put in? What's the budget? But inevitably, I look to Google first, and I want to see if there's already somebody who was smart enough to build something for this particular industry. And then 
rule them out. Yeah, that's my process too. Look to see if there's like a first party solution. So is there something that will easily do this out of the box? Is there a way to extend the system? I currently have to do it. That being said, you're pretty limited there and oftentimes those options are really bad or really expensive. So start there, but it's still worth looking at something easy off the shelf. There's a pet grooming company, right? So, you know, a quick Google search throws up like 50 different pet grooming apps. And one of the top few of them is one's called Pawfinity. And Pawfinity has a podcast. <laughs> awesome. And they're roughly like 80 bucks a month to get a whole bunch of stuff. Now, I don't know about you, but if a whole bunch of stuff for 80 bucks is going to get me the scheduling and it's probably going to have some CRM and it's probably going to have different types of reservations and profiles and like scheduling, boom, I'm like, I would try it all day long. 80 bucks a month. Yeah, that's pretty reasonable. So for everybody out there that's not scrubbing cats and dogs, if you're going to go out and find something, piece something together off the shelf, where do you think you would look for something like this? It's funny because like part of our jobs and you know, in real life, uh, outside of automation show hosting inside of a show. I don't know what that is. I don't know what you mean by that. Because we're an automation show. Outside of this, there's there's people coming to us asking the exact same questions, right? Like, which which systems should you use? It's such a hard question because there's so much involved in, in an answer. But if you lean too much on your peers, you risk having the same issues that they have because of their technical prowess or their situations. And it might be perfect for you, but it wasn't perfect for them. Kind of like picking any software, really. If you try something really quickly and you have a really good sales system, you might get taken to the cleaners and pay way too much for something that doesn't work. And you won't know about it until you've signed that year-long contract or put a ton of effort and you know have already scheduled in 50 people in this new service that you now have to port over to something else. The review sites online are hard to trust, even though they might be having like the word trust inside of them. So I don't know, I go old school. I try it myself and don't make large decisions like this very fast. I start super basic. I'm a simple man. If there's not a like very obvious industry solution, I look at what are all the ways to chuck something on a calendar? And so honestly, I would probably start with something really basic like a scheduling app. I think Calendly has like very basic support for this. You create a Google calendar or something like that, point it at it, set the boundaries for scheduling, and that'll ensure that it's only going to book it during your hours of business, that it's not going to double book people one on top of the other. I think, just think about Calendly, I think you could even use things like roundtable scheduling where it will look at multiple calendars to see if anybody's available to even let you book those things like two or three sessions deep. So let's say you've got two people that can do this grooming at any given point in time. Pretty sure you could do like a round table schedule where if either calendar has an opening, somebody could schedule something on there. The other consideration here, what is the interface? How is somebody ever gonna find this thing and interact with it? Calendly, probably just embed that on your website. A chat bot seems like a heavy lift for this because you would have to then integrate the chat bot with something else unless there's a chat bot scheduling service out there. But I would probably start with something really, really basic like Calendly where you're gonna get it for like 20 bucks a month. It's gonna do what you need. And honestly, starting with something really basic like that can be valuable because you're gonna learn more about what exactly you do need once you actually start doing it. So I would say start simple. Yeah, it's, it's a quick way to validate and test. And you realize you might need a CRM and you might want to do more work with the data that you're getting. Great. 
You could also put up a paywall too, so that if you're worried about a whole bunch of people booking stuff, oh yeah, make them pay. That's a great reason to schedule like that, is you make them pay up front. Yeah, no, that's great. All right, thanks for the call, Alexis. Let's go back to the phones. Who we got? Gerald. Oh, jeez. Gerald, you are live with Automation oh. Show. Hello. Great. I was at the ribbon cutting ceremony this morning. And and there was this young man who who spoke about Chad bots. Yeah, that was that was me. <laughs> I I run a fairly sizable cribbage league at the uh, the the automation town center for the advanced, and we have troubles with people being on time for cribbage games. And you're thinking about whether a chatbot could help with this? What? I said, and you'd uh, you'd like to use a chatbot to help with what? cribbage scheduling? Well, I'm 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 not sure. Okay, great question, Gerald. Thanks for calling Hello? in. A chatbot. For cribbage scheduling, what do you think, Chad? Who's gonna build this? <laughs> Let's get someone Gerald adjacent to build this one for sure. <laughs> uh, it's funny because your your head immediately goes to no, we're not building a chatbot for cribbage scheduling. But if you put your feet in the shoes of of the people wanting to know all the schedules, maybe a chatbot actually is the answer. What if there was a call in line? using voice flow or a text in line to say anything with the word cribbage or any message whatsoever <laughs> and ignore everything in the message, it could reply with the schedule. You could have standings, all kinds of stuff. What do you think? So that conversation with Alexis came around to what's the best interface. And especially in this situation, you got to think about the users. What's going to be the best interface for the users? Is it Logging into a cribbage portal? Probably not. No. Is it Facebook Messenger? Maybe. Mm. Text message? Maybe. Honestly, Gerald, you want my honest advice? I think there's definitely situations where we can try to over-engineer things. In fact, I did a fun exercise with my team a while back. I said, we've got this recurring process that we have to do every single day. Several people have to mark off that they did the entry, the approval, the payment, all these things every single day. I gave everybody an eight and a half by 11 piece of paper. And I said, design a physical sign off thing that anyone could use. And you'd like stick it on a wall if everybody was in the same room. And that informed what exactly are all the steps that it requires? Like, how do we make sure we've got everything that we need encapsulated into a system while also keeping it as simple as possible? And that was a really fun exercise. And honestly, I think in Gerald's case here, that's probably all that he needs. What is the ultimate interface for a bunch of people at the Advanced Care Center? The best interface might be the wall that they walk by every day on the way to the cafeteria. Could be as simple as that. Is this the most simple situation? Like, is it something that actually requires a cool automation? You'll only know once you try. Somebody's going to need to keep updating that wall. So is that harder than having a call in? I think you nailed it. Like, Focus on the user. Everything else will come out of it. So step one, wall. Step two, might be a phone number that you call. And just like the movie line back in the day, it worked for a long time because people didn't want to go walk by the walls, right? They wanted it where they were at. And like we talked about with Alexis, I think you start with the most simple version to better learn what it is you need. So like you said, start with the wall. 
maybe people are unwilling to commit to a specific time and that's the issue. And regardless of the system, they're just not going to do it. But like, what's the smallest lift first version of this? Like, I like to think that's usually your best starting point. Yeah, I like that. Hopefully that helps, Gerald. Thanks for calling, Gerald. How much time we got? I think we've got time for one more. Uh, Sharon, thanks for calling in. You are live on Automation Show. Hi, guys. Hi. So I'm on the Automation Town Parent Teacher Council. I work at the elementary school. Oh, the Center for Little Automators. You got a couple little ones there right now, don't you, Chad? I do. From time to time, we need to take payments from parents, from donors, various people who need to send us money. And historically, it has involved a lot of paper checks, mailing stuff, handling envelopes, and it just seems like there ought to be a better way to collect money from people. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Loving the show. It's a great question. So, Jason, taking money from various people. What do you got? Oh, it's kind of a tricky one because it's not like for all sorts of business contexts, there are tools for sending money every which way, right? And that's a very well-developed ecosystem. But what about more freeform stuff where you just need somebody to like give you something and the paper check's a pain in the butt? I think probably like we said with Alexis, you start by doing a deep dive on, is there something off the shelf that'll handle this for me? To be totally honest... I don't like actually, like, are there rules around how a school can take money from people? Like, I don't even know what the considerations around that are. So first step is see if there's something off the shelf that will do this for you. If not, or if you're looking for something that uses, I guess, more kind of common use tools, what would you think, Chad? This is this is that part of the internet where there's so many options. I, can, I can't imagine being in any type of organized education or charity or something like this where you have just a ton of donors and need to manage it. I've got some experience working with uh, stuff up here in Canada where, you know, there's regulations around uh, receipts for tax purposes or you want it to link to the CRM or something, or you can only accept credit cards, but there's like weird things to do with fees that you push back on people. There's just so much out in the market that if you start going into it, you're going to spend a lot of time on this. So I think in this school's specific situation, you can start small again, and maybe you don't need a complete overhaul of your CRM. And I noticed that in some of these chatbots, they do allow you to accept payment. I think a form would be fine too. I think custom payment links through something like Stripe might also be allowed if you wanted you know, that, that custom amount to come from a form or something like that. But you also want to make it seem very safe and getting money can either be done through credit cards or ACHs or EFTs up in Canada. You probably wouldn't want to do wires, probably wouldn't want to do crypto. So it's another conversation here about going to the user and then finding out from that sort of user group what's acceptable. So going from check to a credit card is a step up and maybe that's enough. But maybe those fees are what's always kept people from going the credit card route. So you want to offer something with ACHs. And there are lots of tools out there that'll let you, will allow people to validate their information and then send it over. But it kind of feels intrusive. So I think we're in that weird part right now where secure and intrusive, it exists. And the fees for credit cards are quite high when you deal with it on the tech side. So maybe it's enough to go from checks to credit cards in this case. It's enough of a lift to where I'd have a hard time like scrapping something together off the shelf. It needs to be done in an organized way. Like you have to be able to tie that money back to all the donors. To your point, it has to feel like a safe, secure way of doing that. 
it's not just as simple as like somebody sending you money over Zelle. Like you need records of those donations. Mm -hmm. You need controls to make sure that's not being abused by the people involved. That's a hard one to scrap something together with a few different, you know, a stripe and an air table. I don't know that that's quite going to get you where you want to go. This is not a new problem. There are absolutely systems out there for schools to take money. My daughter went to a school once where they did this and there, there was an app involved. I remember when you first signed up as part of putting in the, the original money, there was a pre-authorized debit agreement right there when you signed up every year and you, you renewed it every year and it was part of the app to just take the money. Well, thanks for the call, Sharon. That's it for the very first installment of Automation Show. Thanks for tuning in. I've been Jason Stats. And I'm Chad. Where you've got problems, we've got automations. And that's a wrap. Great job, you guys. That felt good. Hi, how loud you're sweaty. I feel so alive. I'll get some towels. Great job, everybody. Automation Town is hosted by Chad Davis and Jason Stats and edited by Paul Amara. Share your problems with us on Twitter at Chad Davis. Is it just Chad Davis? Yeah. And JStatsCPA. How do you spell that? Stats, S-T-A-A-T-S. It's a palindrome, but it has CPA at the end, so it's not a palindrome. Right. So if we're following along, J-S-T-A-A-T-S-C-P-A. You did say it right. If you're enjoying the pod, please leave Automation Town a review by submitting a note in person at the Automation Town Civic Center or sending a fax to 555-908-8498.